What's going on, everybody? Hotep to the family. We back with another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network, where we give our point of view of controversial topics from experience, history, knowledge as African-Americans. I'm here with my co-host again, Mr. Jerome Battle. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, uh, it's a blessing to be back here again for another episode Um Rather anybody else is joining, I'm enjoying these episodes. Me I'm too. enjoying the research. I'm enjoying the conversation. And we had a lot of private conversations still with people about the stuff, the things that we've been talking about. And uh, we really appreciate it. Again, we still encourage you to speak more publicly about it. If you can comment on the YouTube channel, comment on the uh, Facebook post, Instagram post. Um, and really make it known what your perspective is. Even if you disagree with us, we're fine with Absolutely. that. But we appreciate anybody that's trying to give out information um, to the people to begin to encourage and motivate and inspire and bring awareness um, to the people who may not know about certain things that happen in history. Um, so today we're going to be talking about... Um, why knowing your family history is important, your ancestry, your roots. Um, I want to do this topic because I've been fascinated with this for um, a while now. And I think it's important for a lot of people, not just black people, white people, Native Americans, whatever the case may be, to dive into their uh, ancestry and really know what their roots are. Um, That's right. Why do you think it's important? I think, you know, obviously knowing your past opens up doors to the future. Right. I think that's important. Um, also, the value of pursuing African-American studies and gaining knowledge and understanding of the past and present situations, mm -hmm. um, I think, helps us understand. Mm -hmm. One, understand ourselves and then understand circumstances of our surroundings and things that probably can be unfair in most cases. Mm -hmm. But understanding that. There's a lot of people who suffered through those struggles yes. and lost their lives. A lot of bloodshed, a lot of tears, a lot of sweat in order for us to be here today to even have these kind of discussions. Absolutely. And when I think about it, you know, when you're well, of course, the one thing that you talk in school, as we went over before, is you talk about you talk um, you're taught the enslavement of African-American people. And I believe when we look at enslavement, right. I think a lot of people do not correlate that with family. I That's think right. you just look at enslavement and you say, okay, African-American people were enslaved, but you don't think about that was, you know, your great, great, great grandmother. That was your great, great, great grandfather. You don't think about That's your right. great aunts and uncles, like not only enslavement, but what did they do after enslavement? What did they do during the reconstruction period? Did they own businesses? Did they own their own property? Why didn't they move from the South? Why did they move from the That's South? Right. Like, where did they go? How did they live? How did I end up here? That's you know, right. I, I believe, um, did they serve in the Civil War? Did they die in the Civil War? Did they serve in the Revolutionary War? I want to know all of these things. I want to be able to pinpoint where my fam what my family did. Um, and I believe we don't correlate it or make certain things personal about history. But I think we should because it is a um, it is a testament to what our ancestors went through 
and who they were. And we should be proud of that. A absolutely. And, you know, obviously the first question people always ask whenever you talk about history, it doesn't matter what what concept the history we speak about. But they always say, well, well how, how does that apply to me today? Right. You hear that all the time. And obviously you don't know until you start researching. Exactly. I'll be honest with you, before I started researching my history, I didn't know what it would mean to me. Mm -hmm. I, I really didn't. Um, and then the the desire to research wasn't something that I just woke up with one day and had. Right. There was things that happened along the way that said, you know what? I need to find out more about this. Mm -hmm. One, it was intriguing and interesting mm -hmm. that made me want to do a little research. But two, I needed something to give me value. Right. Um, there's things that, uh, you, you know, as a as a as a black man and just an individual living in America today, you suffer through certain things, certain things sort of like depression. Mm -hmm. uh, I hate to use that word depression because obviously there's some people that suffer from depression have been diagnosed with with depression, which I was not. But to say that I wasn't depressed at certain points in my life would be a lie. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that state, you sometimes start to try to find yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes trying to find yourself is trying to find out where you came from. Right. And I believe and of course, I became more infatuated with this bed um, this past uh, February, uh, Black History Month, when I started looking at people that I didn't know about before. And I believe we have been taught how to celebrate black history. And it's not the exact right way. Because Absolutely. Black History Month, we've been celebrating the same people over and over again. And we celebrate people who've done these outstanding things. But right. black history should be more than just a moth. And black history should be more than just celebrating people who invented things. Uh, look at your family. What did they do? You know, what, what small things that they do? You know, you you in, uh, informed me that my grandmother went to college. I didn't That's know right. that. That's right. You know, that is something I can celebrate within my own family because right. uh, I can be proud of what she endured. I can be proud of, you know, uh, the way that she was brought up to be able to do that. That's right. I can be proud of the way that she passed that down to allow me to do the same thing. That's right. So I believe when we begin to celebrate Black History Month or Black History Period, we have to just stop looking at the Dr. Kings and the Rosa Parks because all of them did great things. But what about your family that may have held their, had their own taxi service or, you know, may have did farming and That's agriculture. Right. What about the small things that may be beneficial to you that came from your family? You should always look at your family first. I mean, right. even when we talk about heroes or people that we looked up to when we were younger, you know, my first hero was my dad, mm -hmm. you know, and, and still is. Right. You know, uh, outside of that, my next hero was my oldest brother, Alvin. Mm -hmm. You know, I looked up to, to Alvin as a hero when I was a kid. Um, even when you start talking about family traditions and things that uh, family members may have done or started, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily just traditions, but let's even think outside the box and think businesses right here in Bedford County. Uh, my grandfather, Frank Mills, started the first black owned business. Mm -hmm. and, and anybody that's listening and they want to dispute that, let me know. Give me some information. But from what I from what I understand and what I gathered, he started his own business. He had a cafe right on on Franklin uh, Street Hilltop. Right. Um, he had a cafe. Uh, he also had a taxi cab service. Uh, he and Frank Miller started the 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 uh, um, mortuary business together. Mm -hmm. You know, so this was a, a black man who was one of the first black business owners in Bedford County. And I thought that was amazing. And again, by you just saying that makes me feel proud. Uh, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of African-Americans aren't proud of themselves 
because they don't know what some of their family may have done. That's right. And again, it doesn't have to be next level type of things. It can just be something that can make you say, oh, wow. We we come from some type of excellence. Oh, abso- absolutely. And, you know, my dad and, and I know he's we, we know he's watching now. He's watching in segments, absolutely. but he, he's watching. And, you know, his dad uh, was a uh, Baptist minister mm-hmm. who helped start what is known today as uh, a Bible Beltway. Mm-hmm. And you hear that a lot on the, the Eastern Seaboard Bible Beltway. He was one of the originators to help start those churches, mm-hmm. um, those those uh, groups of churches along the East Coast. Absolutely. Uh, Marcus Garvey has a quote that I'm going to say, and uh, he says, uh, a people without the knowledge of their past history, origin and culture is like a tree without roots. During that precious time, my daughters learned about their roots, their identity and where they come from. That's why I can't really regret what I used to consider my biggest mistake. And again, I feel like we're just a lot of African-Americans, especially we're just living in a land where we have no type of thing to relate to. So for, and again, you look at the term African and American, we've been stripped away from African culture to where we're starting to learn about it a little more, but a lot of people still don't relate to it. They say, you know, I've never been to Africa before, so I can't really relate to African culture. Then you look at our history in America, we don't really relate to that as well, which is why you're starting to see the kneeling for the flag and not standing for the flag, because a lot of people don't feel like they are included in um, American society as being a, a standard social class. Um, so when we begin to look at that, I believe African-Americans are they have no identity here in America. That's right. And, you, you know, that's important. I mean, even even just the, the, the term African-American, I I. I will admit that, you know, 20, 25 years ago, I disliked that title. Right. And here's why. We don't call white Americans European Americans. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I didn't like the fact. So what we were asking for was we wanted to be integrated. But yet we separated ourselves by saying we don't want to be called American. We want to be called African-American. However, we didn't have an identity in America. Mm-hmm. So adding the African in front of it gave us an identity right. because our identity starts in Africa. Right. So you had to have that identity first and then say, OK, I'm now American, but I have black heritage. I have African heritage right. and I need you to know that white America. So as, as time went on, I came to understand that term. And now I agree with it 100 percent. Right. And I actually had a conversation with, uh, with a, a few people lately and they said and they also said the same thing that we should give rid of the term African-American. And I said, already you're starting to see African-Americans not really correlate with Africa. So imagine if you take African off. So you forget about it. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll close. 50 so, years from now, so nobody would ever know. You're going to be going by is what we've seen here in America, which is not good. Absolutely. So you have to be able to go back into that African ancestry. And I believe the African in front of it is just that reminder that we Absolutely. have to go back and, and look at certain things. But we're going to get in a little bit more uh, that, um, here in a little bit. But when you look at family history, the interesting thing that I love and for the people who are listening, um, I don't I don't want you to take in my beliefs, but I honor my ancestors every single day. I have my ancestor wall over here to the left of me. If, um, I'll take a picture of it and, and show people what I'm what I'm talking about. But when you think about this, on uh, how many ancestors we have, um, you have two parents. Two parents correlate to four grandparents. That's right. Four grandparents correlate to eight 
great grandparents. Mm -hmm. Eight great grandparents who correlate to 16 great, great, great grandparents. That's right. Which correlates to 32, which correlates to 64. And the number goes on. And now you've only moved maybe 100 years. That's right. 100, 200 years. So you, when you think about that in retrospect, you're going back thousands of years. That's right. Some correlate millions of years. It depends on who you talk to. So you have all of this ancestry um, that comes from different places. That's because, right. Because again, we know it, we're, we don't just have African ancestry. We know in the mix of those different um, those different generations, there are more bloodlines that are coming in. That's right. So we have to understand this. And um, I believe family history is important. I believe we've gotten away from elders we, we, respecting and, that's right. and, and learning our elders now now let me be the first to say that i have a problem with this sometimes because there are some old fools out <laughs> here right they, they, they are but obviously if, if they're a family member you have to give them their just respect regardless right. and and i'm becoming one of those old fools so that's why i'm <laughs> saying that but 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 you're right i mean you have to look at uh, your history for what it really is for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into some of that as we go along. But l let's just look from in the terms of medical and health reasons. Okay. Um, there are some things that your your parents or grandparents could have suffered with that you knowing that could obviously help you in a medical crisis. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's huge because I, I've seen it happen too many times. Mm -hmm. And for those that, that that have been watching, you know, uh, the news about people passing away like DMX and then Black Rob passed away not too, uh, just a couple days ago mm -hmm. from um, kidney failure. Mm -hmm. um, and kidney failure is something that can be hereditary. Yeah. Kidney disease. So if you know that somebody in your family may have had that, when you start having issues and you go to the doctor, it's good to have that information because these are the type of things that people are dying from that you probably can survive mm -hmm. if you have the medical history to provide your, your health care uh, doctor. Right. And that's, <clears throat> that's actually one of the first things that they ask you if you go to a doctor is, does your family have a history of this? Absolutely. Right? So when you look at epigenetics, we talk about how that's passed down from generation to generation, such as obesity, such as cancer, such as high blood pressure, right. heart disease. All of these stuffs can be uh, genetic and it can be passed down to your kids. So if you want to have good health, you need to first figure out what are my problems and where did it stem from? So if Absolutely. you have if you have high blood pressure, more than likely your parents probably had high blood pressure. So if you thinking about your kids, your kids are now going to have high blood pressure. That's right. So <clears throat> if, if you have to understand your family history. Um, one of my friends was just talking yesterday. He said, um, he said, I really didn't know my dad and I really didn't know his health history. But he said, what I can say is my uncles died in their 40s and my dad just died in his 50s. And he said, looking back at the family history, we're dying at a young age. So That's he right. said, I care about my health now because I know if I don't. I'm 30 some years old now and I may I'm, not have I'm a lot of time. Yet. That's right. I, I, th I think that's a huge, man. And, and you know, I, I, it bothers me a little bit because I'm, I'm from that generation where we don't really talk about our health. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad's from that generation where you, you can call my dad right now. He could have just left the hospital. Dad, you go, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, right. I'm good. Mm -hmm. He's never going to tell you when something's wrong. And obviously, me and my brothers are the same way. Mm -hmm. You guys can call me. I could be laying in the bed half sick. Hey, dad, how you doing? I'm doing great. What about you? How you doing? Mm -hmm. We're not going to let you know when we're sick. We're not going 
gonna let you know when we feel bad. I'm not gonna let you know when I got a doctor's appointment, yes. and I'm not gonna tell you what the doctor told me right. un- until it's time for me to let you know. Right. That's bad. Mm-hmm. That's not good. But I'm from that era where we 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 don't want you to worry about us, so mm-hmm. we're not telling you anything. Um, but obviously, if you have a medical crisis, then you need to know. Hey, does your dad have high blood pressure? The answer mm-hmm. is yes. You know, there's something else that we joke about that we were told. I was told at a younger age is not hereditary. Right. But I don't know how we all have it. It's called the shakes. Right. We all have it. Every last one of you yeah. have it. Yeah. My brothers have it. My nephew has it. And my dad has it. But the doctor told me it's not hereditary. Right. Go figure. Right. <laughs> it's funny because whenever uh, I'm at the gun range and I'm qualifying for uh, my firearm, um, the instructor like, uh, you don't have to be so nervous. Why are you shaking so much? I said, I'm not nervous. I can't help but shake. I, That's right. Th- this is my everyday thing. I don't know if you can see on the camera, but I'm I, shaking I, I, already. When I, eat a, when I eat a bowl of cereal, that spoon might be empty by the time it gets to my mouth. <laughs> but again, like when, even when you're talking about that, we're going to get to um, talk about that a little bit more um, in a little bit, which is socialization. So you learn to not say anything is wrong with you because your dad did. And his dad probably did the same thing. That's so right. By looking at that, you say, yo, you never tell anybody that something's wrong with you. That's right. Because, you no, know, that's the way my dad taught me. So we'll get in that um, a little bit. But when, um, when you look at African history for the people who really follow African culture, um, African religion, most and most of them, they always ask the elders first what their point of view is and then the younger generation and then the elders have the last word that's right and i believe we've gotten away from that because a lot of the elders in our time don't know how to respect the younger generation so for african americans for knowing our family history yes we have to respect our elders but our elders also have to learn how to respect our younger generation because the world is changing all the time and it's not the same way it was 60 years ago or 100 years ago so we have to be able to open up and understand that knowledge can come in many forms absolutely uh your uncle gene which was a surprise that he even watches the podcast but he does love you all but i remember one time he told me one of his friends uh said you know i listened to your nephew and uh, he said some good things. He said, but I, I find it hard to believe at the time that I could learn something from somebody younger than me. Mm-hmm. And obviously you have a lot of people from the older generation feels that way. What can you, you know, you like to use that word youngster. Yeah. What can you youngsters teach me? Right. You know, obviously that's the wrong approach because the younger generation brings a lot to the table that obviously can educate some of the older, the, the elders that we talk about. If they just open up and listen, although we know historically that has hasn't been the case right and i believe it's it's not exactly teaching but it's a reminder mm-hmm. so when you even <laughs> let's, let's just use religion for example if you look at the bible um it talks about how you should always you know think like a child or you should always act like you don't know even if so a lot of people may go to church and they say oh, i read that before i've heard that before but you should be in the mind state that you never heard it before that's right and i believe that younger people can give us that sense of saying okay going back to the fundamentals and basics of things will help me be more wiser to all of the things that i know now that's right because there's no reason if you watch the nba there's no reason to know all the behind the backs and dribble moves if you can't complete a left-hand layup so all of the nice stuff looks good because you got the wisdom and experience, but you always got to go back to the fundamental of things. And I believe that's, that's right. what the youngsters can teach us is how to go back to the fundamental of things 
um, before you gain all of this wisdom and you think you up here when it comes to knowledge. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You got to once you have the information, then you got to learn how to utilize it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's that sometimes that becomes the problem is not being able to utilize all the information that you have. Now, as the, the younger generation has a boatload of information, mm -hmm. the problem is they have a boatload of opportunities. Yeah. So you have more opportunities to utilize those things that you've learned along the way. Um, and wisdom is once you start utilizing. It. Right. And that's what the older generation can help you with the wiser. Right. So um, so some people might say, you know, why is it important for me to know my family history? Um, I believe the number one answer is resilience. Um, when you know your history and again, you correlate enslavement, you correlate Jim Crow, you correlate um, the things that we face, the, the slave trade you begin to see the resilience of your family members that would give you strength today to say, I can face what is going on head on. Especially if you listen to this podcast and you see how everything is a cycle. You That's see right. that nothing has changed. So you can take that same strength that your ancestors faced when they was on the slave ship, when they was in enslavement, when they was facing Jim Crow, when they was getting lynched in the streets. We can take that same resilience and apply it today. So I believe that is the number one answer is we... We know our family history so we can be more resilient. Um, the second thing is compassion. We will understand, you know, where we come from. We understand um, what our ancestors did and about learning their hardships and what they encountered and what they endured. We have compassion. For That's them. right. And when you That's have, right. and you have compassion for them, you will have compassion for people that look like you. That's right. So and for white people, if you understand a lot of family history, you would have compassion for the people that that still may be oppressed or telling you that they're oppressed. Um, and the third thing is you're going to find self-worth. You're going to find that that a lot of your family had done great things, as we talked about earlier, and that you have a high self-esteem and it'll make you feel important. Number, the one thing that I love is when the movie Black Panther came out, um, rest in peace to Chad, uh, Chad Bozeman. But when Black Panther came out, a lot of people had no idea what Marvel was. They didn't care about superheroes. That's right. They That's didn't right. care. They didn't care that Black Panther was also in uh, Captain America Civil War. They didn't care about that. That's right. They related to the Africanness that was in there. They was looking for their heritage, their culture. They could care less about the fighting and the all of the Marvel characters. They liked the fact that it gave us a sense of self-worth. That's right. So, a, a lot of people like that. The, the favorite scene was the scene where he had the challenge. He had to have somebody challenge. Absolutely. And you had the African tribes and the guy said, I'll challenge you. Yes. And they were doing that little chant, yes. you know. Yes. So obviously that African tradition. And and this is just something that you feel. It's kind of like music. Mm -hmm. Whenever you watch a, a African documentary or if you listen to African music like I do, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about rhythm and blues. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about African music. When you listen to it, it it that drum beat, that music, that chant, that drum, you feel yeah. it. It's not something that you you don't learn it. You right. feel it. And uh, obviously, when you watch that movie, that one scene, you feel that right. you feel that 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 tribe, you feel that vibe, yeah. you feel it. And that's why we love that frequency. You know, that's, that's why right. when you ride down the street, you want that bass to boom. That's right. You, you want to feel that, it. You want that snare drum to keep hitting. That's because right. You want people to feel what you feel. And, and that's, that's right. That's a relationship. You, you don't listen to the music. You become the yes, music. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why a lot of African-Americans just going back to what we're talking about when we talk about music. It 
really doesn't have anything to do with the words. It's the the beat. That's it's right. The rhythm of it. You know, that's why that's what we fall in love with. And and, and that's we're gonna get into that a little bit too, because music, especially drums, was used for certain things in terms of tribes in Africa. War cries, all of that. Absolutely. Yes. And then when you when you translate that to America, which we'll get into in the in the next segment, is uh, roots. Yeah. Uh, um, so we'll we'll get into that a little oh, bit too, I, because I that's exactly huge. Where you're going with and that, just so uh, you guys know, roots is one of my favorite movies. Mine too. And, and, and I just not for the same reasons that some of you think. I just watched it just to try to get prepared for this uh, message. Uh, the last thing, of course, is stories passed down from generation to generation like Roots. Absolutely. Um, everyone uh, is talking about legacy, but legacy is bigger than just leaving money and wealth. Legacy is the stories that are passed down and make you find that sense of pride of who you are because you know what some of your family members did. And I had a conversation with one of my uh, co-workers and uh, I was explaining to him how hard it is for us to relate because we don't have any documentation to go by uh, most of the time like him. And he's like, I can trace my family history all the way back to Italy with ease. And because I never thought about how much trouble it is for you to trace your family history back. Oh, absolutely. I, I want to tell you a, a really short story. Um, but obviously, in trying to trace our history, it's very difficult mm -hmm. um, because there weren't there wasn't a lot of documentation. They did come out with books that you had to start putting names in. But we're going to go to. We're going to go to the tax books. We're okay. going to go to tax books real quick. Um, and, and for my, my mother's family, the Sparrows originated in what's called Piney River, which is between Amherst and Nelson County. Mm -hmm. And, um, in, in that area, there was the, the Sparrow, which obviously, uh, came from Bartlett Sparrow mm -hmm. in the, the late 1700s, but also Monacan Indians that were in that area as well, which is why my mother and, and my grandmother and my great grandmother had like Indian like hair. My, my great grandmother really did look like an Indian, even my grandmother, Georgia Mills. Yeah. So, um, but what, what happened is in, in, in trying to research family history on the Sparrow side, I ran into a snag. And, and it's an understandable snag, but it exists, is that for the tax records, when I started looking at tax records, you would see like a William Sparrow, mm -hmm. 40, Henry Sparrow, 18, mm -hmm. Henry Sparrow, 12, mm -hmm. William Sparrow, 11. Um, and then, of course, you would have females. Well, obviously, when you looked at this, you was like, there's no way in the world he had two children named William and two children named Henry. Mm -hmm. So what we found out is what happened is you would have families living together, mm -hmm. but because you pay taxes on the number of adults that lived in your household, you would list them, but you would put a different age mm -hmm. so that you didn't have to pay taxes on those individuals. So you would have a family like me and my brother would be living together with our family, mm -hmm. but I would have them listed as a cousin. And his or son and his age would be a lot, mm -hmm. a lot less. Or if I listed him as a cousin, his age could be, you know, 18 mm -hmm. or 17. So we didn't have to pay the taxes on him. But obviously they were brother and sister mm -hmm. rather than father and son. So that's a snag. You can't go any further right there. Mm -hmm. So you have a you have you could have three or four generations living in one household, but appear to be only one generation. And then you can't go any further. Wow. 
So um, obviously this probably happened to a lot of families, mm -hmm. um, especially families that lived in 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 the uh, states like Virginia, any of the, the, the states that were part of the the union uh, mm -hmm. be before you you got the United States. So um, it made it very difficult to be able to research past that. That's it. Mm -hmm. Also, you have the problem that if a, if a, a man married an Indian. Mm -hmm. So for blacks, you had a mark. Right. Mm -hmm. The black, if you couldn't sign your name, you would just make your mark. Indians didn't sign at all. Mm -hmm. So if if you had an uncle or a great uncle or a grandfather that married an Indian, the marriage license is just going to have his name on it. Mm -hmm. There's going to be nothing from her because she was an Indian. They didn't sign anything. They didn't make a mark, mm -hmm. which was huge, too. So therefore, anybody that has Indian heritage makes it even more difficult to do any tracing. And that's going to come to a shock of, to a lot of people. So I just ask you to do your research, talk to people and see if you can find out more information about how you can go past the roadblocks that I've, I've encountered. Wow. I know what I'm going to be reading about this week. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back with a, with, after this quick commercial break. And we are back again. And thank everybody for tuning in. Hit the subscribe button on the Mighty Motivation Network here on YouTube. Um, we're going to continue right on. So finding your roots is important to help you find yourself. Um, again, we talked about the identity crisis that African-Americans face here in America because you can't relate to Africa or you can't relate to America because you don't know your history. That's right. So I believe there are four important questions that every individual needs to ask themselves, which is number one, who am I? Number two, where did I come from? Number three, how did I get here? And number four, what is my purpose while I'm here? Those are four questions everybody should be asking themselves. So number one. Who am I? If you watch Roots, and I, that's one of the things I love about Roots, I used to think it was funny, but now I understand why he did it. Um, whenever they would ask Kunta Kinte who he was, he would say, I am Kunta Kinte, son of such and such Kinte, your grandson of that's right. such and such Kunta Your chronological Kinte. line yeah, that so you like I, to get. I, I want that's you right. to know, and he, he attempted to do this with his family as well, so they would never forget where they came from. Never forget who they are. It was who you are because who you are goes back to um, where you came from. That's right. So when, whenever he would do this, he understand it, that it was power within their name. So it, that was the whole basis of the whole movie for people that don't know. That was the reason for the movie. Right. The whole movie was about trying to continue that tradition right. and understanding your your heritage. Right. That was the whole purpose. It wasn't about, for people that may think, it wasn't about showing slavery. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about showing the mistreatment of blacks by white America. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about slave trade because we found out later on that a lot of that information probably wasn't as true right. as, as Alex Haley led us to believe in the beginning. And he admitted that. However, the whole purpose of the movie is keeping that tradition was true, where he would always talk about even when Kinsey was born the very first thing he taught her was he started teaching her some of the, the Mandinka language right. right and he would always tell her your name is Kizzy which means stay put right. this is not your home but we don't want you to be sold right. not that she, he wanted her to remain in America right. but he didn't want her to be sold your name is Kizzy daughter of Kunta Kente right. from the river bank, banks of Jerifro right. son of Amara Kente and, and you know so he would always 
always give that line, but he would always talk to her in the native tongue. Right. And when she was born, he spoke in the native tongue about her and gave her that name, Kizzy. Right. And even <clears throat> if you look hundreds of years after Kunta Kente, you know, the grandson, um, Alex Haley, still had some of those words in his vocabulary. That's right. So that word, Campe Belongo, uh, Tubob, all of those words continue to move towards um, generation after generation. And it's important because you hear black people now start to say, you know, I come from kings and queens. That's cool. That, that That's a great analogy. But understand, can't everybody's parents or grandparents be kings and queens back that's in right. Africa? That's not the point. The point of kings and queens has nothing to do with holding a crown over your head. It's character. That's it's right. the ability to uh, know that you have power. It's the ability to know that you can give to other people. You can share amongst your people. You can build your people up. That is what a king and queen means. That's right. It's more than just a symbolism of uh, authority. It's a symbolism of true character, and that's and that's one of the things that we we learn from mother. Absolutely, mother. you you bring it shows that you have value, mm -hmm. and value can come in many different ways. You know, I, I I tell the story sometimes that there was a homeless lady that lived under the bridge in Washington D.C. who died. She died recently, and she was homeless by choice. She had family members. She owned her own home. She for some reason she wanted to live under the bridge. She had some mental issues, mm -hmm. but the president of the United States used to stop and have a conversation with her when Barack Obama was a president. She was well known throughout the city of Washington, D.C. And when she died, there was a lot of people that paid tribute to her. This lady who was homeless bought value. Mm -hmm. She had value and she bought value. So she didn't have to be a king or queen, mm -hmm. but she had value. And everybody has to look at themselves and say, what is my value? Right. And a lot of times you can learn what your value is by learning where you came from. Absolutely. And the second question is, is that, you know, where did I come from? Um, so everybody knows that, well, we look at history. History tells us and science tells us that everybody comes from Africa. So looking at that, we all know we have a common ancestor that comes from uh, Mother Africa. And again, for the people who are black, some of your ancestry might come back from Africa, but then there's some that may lead to Native American blood as well. Because, of course, we also have some European blood, thanks to the slave master who done what he did and had all of these little mixed babies running around. <laughs> so a lot of us, you know, we our DNA come back from different places, different ethnicities. People who did it online, they had Irish in there. They had Italian in there. Mm -hmm. They had Indian in there. They had, you know, it was, it's just all over the place as far as who infiltrated your, your, your family tree. And not only where you come from, but what... What tribe did you come from? So did you come from the Dogon tribe? Did you come from the Mandinka? Did you come from Mali? Where did you come from? What did they practice? What religion did they believe in? You know, what what did they do? Because a lot of these tribes were known for certain things. Again, the Dogon tribe was known for astrology. They was known for looking at the stars and creating calendars. If you look at... um. Other tribes, especially in uh, Central West Africa, they're known for agriculture. They're known for uh, building up the economy and, and, and creating agriculture and farmland. So you have to understand where did you come from? So most African, they say most African uh, Americans came off the slave trade out of what we consider West Africa right. now. But understand that Africans never stayed put. So just because you were bought from West Africa doesn't mean that your roots doesn't go back to Sudan. Uh, right. Ethiopia, Uganda, Kenya, 
um, connect because of Morocco, if you're talking about the Moors. That's right. So whenever we begin to look at, we have to begin to look at, you know, all the different tribes because our cousin, um, your nephew, cousin Cameron, he done his online. And, and I really start to dive in the information he gave me, which is you have tribes. Then you have tribes within tribes. <laughs> and you have tribes and within tribes. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's forever lasting. But and not to just pinpoint where you come from. It's great to just learn about different aspects and different life um, where they came from, different traditions, different rituals, because today we may seem as it being demonic or whatever the That's case right. may be, but our ancestors thought otherwise. So I really, um, I've been really into finding that Africanness within me. Absolutely, you like you said, Cameron um, did the ancestral research, and mm -hmm. you know they uses the DNA and all that, and found out that we were descendants from African tribe called Bessa, yes, um, which is a Mandi family, um, northeastern Ghana. Mm -hmm. And what I found interesting about that is. As most people who, who know me know that I practice Islam, mm -hmm. um, Muslim, and uh, the majority of the people, the Bissa people were Muslim. Mm -hmm. They follow Muslim religion. Absolutely. And right now, that section of the of that country is 95 percent Muslim. Right. So I, I found that interesting that I ended up following those that that same religious belief. And I had no idea. Right. That, that I was a descendant from that that tribe. And again, again, we go back to compassion when you look at that, because when we look at that tribe that we came from, um, I looked up, you know, where were they probably located and the area that they're located? It's called like Perfecto or That's something right. like that. Mm -hmm. um, that place is like war driven right now. Yeah, absolutely. Where, um, they, it's not even a safe place to travel. That's to. right. So whenever I, and my dream is to always go back to like roots, go back to where I originated from. And you wouldn't be able to do that right now. That's right. What's going on in right. Africa. That's why it's important to have these conversations and have compassion, because as an African people, we have to begin to get on one accord so we can have that those conversations and that, and that dialect. Um, and the, the third question, again, is um, how did we get here? Of course, we know that answer. Um through the slave trade. But if you go back and look at read certain books, certain books would tell you that that's not all black people that came on the slave trade, that there was some that were already here. Um, that's right. I'm gonna get into that a little bit later. But again, it's important for you to read up to try to figure that out. But not only how did you get to America, but how did we get in Virginia? Absolutely. How did, how did we end up in Bedford? Um, those are important questions for me, for my family on, on asking, how did we end up here? So. Whenever you do your research, try to figure out where did they come from? Why did they move? Um, what could have been some some key things that happened in the time frame um, that made them want to move to where they moved to? So understanding where did you come from? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, in, in the readings that I, I found that a lot of the, the blacks that ended up in Virginia, in certain parts of Virginia or anywhere on the eastern on the eastern seaboard was mainly because of waterways and ports. Mm -hmm. So where the, the 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 ships would come in. But also you got to remember the of uh, the objective of most Slaves in the South was to get to the North. Mm -hmm. And we always hear about crossing over the Mississippi mm -hmm. where ain't nobody from Georgia going over to get to the Mississippi. <laughs> so the easiest way to go North is to go North. Right. Um, so obviously in their tr ways of trying to travel through, through the uh, uh, swamps mm -hmm. and make their way to, uh, to the North, you have people getting, getting stranded in North Carolina and obviously in Virginia. Right. Uh, and also Maryland. We can't leave out Maryland as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, and 
the fourth question is, you know, what um, what is your purpose here um, in keeping your family alive? Of course, everybody, again, talking about the word legacy. But I began. We have we have to start taking some important measures when it comes to legacy, because as we're talking about ancestry, dad, I believe we have to be knowledgeable and, and cognitive of what are we doing to keep that ancestry alive? How is things going to be traced back to us? And for me, thinking about this um, while we were preparing this, um, my last name is Stevens. Yours is Battle. My brother's name last name is Battle. We talked so about that before. We, we, we talked about that before. And one of the things that I'm, I'm, I may do is use both names. That's right. Stevens and Battle. So whoever's researching it in the future can begin to correlate. Okay, his last name is Stevens, but that's still Shaquan's brother. Absolutely. So that's why... This is important, guys, because I know we have social media and we just want to show our pictures on Facebook and and all Instagram. But we have to begin to think what's going to happen 200 years from now is Facebook and Instagram still going to exist. Is those pictures still going to exist within uh, through online? Because (laughs) MySpace ended years ago and you can't find a picture from MySpace. That's right. So what is going to happen with Facebook and and, uh, Instagram goes down? This is important. Continue to print pictures, please. And not only print pictures, write on the back who is who. And the what date. is the date? That's right. So that can stay in the family. And years from now, if everything goes technology or if technology shuts down, we still have that way to research and say, OK, his last name was Stevens, but it still say brother to Shaquan. It still says son of Jerome. That's right. It still says, so they won't correlate. They may correlate Cameron and Shaquan brothers because their last name is Battle. That's right. And they may correlate me something else. So we have to keep this in mind whenever we are talking about our ancestors. This is the reason why I wrote two books. Not only putting my name on the book, putting my father's name in the book, Shaquan's name in the book, my daughter's name in the book. So that... That is documentation for me. Absolutely. So, and I also telling my biography through the book so people can begin to relate to the story 200, 300 years from now. So again, we have to begin to keep our ancestry alive by what we do today and what we do with documents. For the single mothers out there, if you give your son or your daughter your last name, make sure there's some way that can trace them back to his father, even if there's no relationship. Because right. I'm struggling with that now. My last name come from Stevens. My grandmother never met her father. And the only thing I'm going off is a name. And That's it's, right. And it's making things very, very difficult for me to trace back. And we're only talking about this same generation. That's right. So imagine 200, 300 years from now when people are trying to trace lineage and it stops at you because there's no documentation. Can't go anywhere else. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, for years, uh, I've always tried to encourage you to. Because yes. it's obviously it's my fault that you ended up with the last name Stevens. Right. And just so America could know how that happened. I was stranded in New York at the time that he was born. And at the time in Virginia, the father had to be present in order for the child to have the father's last name. Right. So that's totally my fault. <laughs> um, but I've been I've been asking and trying and pleading with you to change your name for years and I remember one thing that you told me because obviously when you were going to go to college we didn't want to do it then because we were afraid I was going to affect your financial assistance right but after you graduated you said dad you know what I think I'm gonna keep Stevens because I'm I'm the last 
one from that that Stevens yes. or you and Twanisha. Right. And, and she you, get married, that changes. A- absolutely. And you told me that. And this was the case where the old fool listened <laughs> to the younger generation. I was like, he, he had an answer. One thing my dad always taught me is if some if you ask a person a question or they ask you a question, you ought to have an answer. Mm-hmm. He had an answer. Uh, and at the time, I agree with it. I right. thought it was a great answer. As time went on, especially when my mom passed away in 2001, I remember when we were writing the obituary and we was thinking about what we were going to put on the headstone. My mother kept my dad's last name, Helen Battle, yes. and her middle name was Ann, Helen Ann Battle. And I said, hold on, we've got to put Sparrow gotcha. in there yes. somewhere in order to make that correlation. Because even if that's at the, because that, that helped me at the cemetery. Absolutely. Because if I seen Sparrow um, in there or Mills, I knew that was family. But Absolutely. If, if you're only going by your mate um, name or your married name and it doesn't correlate with what's in the cemetery, it's very hard. Absolutely. So that's why we if you you look at her headstone, it has Sparrow on there. And we did the same thing for Mom Georgia when she passed away. So I encourage anybody that's listening to try to use that, too, because a lot of times the middle name doesn't even matter unless you're trying to make a distinguish between certain people. Because they have the same first name. Right. So but if you can add that that other last name, whether it's mate name or um married name add both of them on there and it'll help people in the future begin to identify who it is that you're talking about so um again we we don't know what's going to happen years from now as far as technology is booming right now but like the book of eli that's right the movie book of eli what happens if all of this stuff crashed now i'm only going off this book that I that's have. right gotta so, have a hard copy yeah, somewhere exactly so that's why one of the reasons why with my youtube videos i make sure all my videos are on a flash drive on a cd somewhere to where it can still be passed on and played um years from now just in case youtube no longer exists um so we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back and we are back um we're going to continue right on with this conversation um I brought up the word epigenetics earlier. So if you don't understand what that means, um, our genes are the blueprint for our bodies. And they lived an experience through an individual before us. So the genes are passed down from generation to generation. And a lot of our behaviors, a lot of the things that we do, again, they're in the genes. This is how we understand um, family history for us, uh, our um our health reasons and uh, stuff like that is stuff that we inherit and pass down from generation to generation. Parents can uh, pass on traits, characteristics. This is why you see eye color, uh, hair color, hair texture, all of these uh, same things. Uh, We make the joke about the battle nose. All all of these things are passed down from generation to generation. And that battle walk. Y'all see when we walk, right? (laughs) You tell me for real here. Is that why you walk like that? My pops from DC, bro. You know what I mean? But again, that, that just goes back to um, what we talk about. It's an article that I read. Um, I'm going to read it real quick. It says, now, now I'm going to step away from scientific evidence and give my personal uh, beliefs. Um, for me, now I'm not going to read all. Um, for me, when I think about epigenetics, you know, there are scientists who say that you can pass down on certain things and there's certain scientists who say that you can't. But for me, there's some things that me and you've never talked about We've never discussed and come to find out we thought the same way. Absolutely. So I believe that a lot of things are passed down um, genetically without us even knowing. Absolutely. Um, 
Absolutely. And not just not just the way that we think, the way we communicate. I, yeah. I laugh all the time when I hear you guys talk and ask somebody, so your son talks just like you. <laughs> and the thing is, is it's not like we did this when you guys were six or seven years yeah. old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So obviously there's traits, but there's also something a little bit deeper that I, I know you've you've expressed this before in some of your podcasts and some of your speeches regarding depression and how you dealt Absolutely. with um, alcoholism and, and even thoughts of suicide. That's something that can be heretical hereditary as well right. because for those that don't know I suffered through the same thing mm-hmm. um, I've, a, I've attempted suicide as well and I, did, I, I didn't mean, know this before I went through absolutely. it so that, that just shows you and, what you we're know, talking about and I, I remember in the way that I dealt with it when you were going through it you probably don't remember probably blacked it out because the things that I said to you were the type of things that people said to me when I was going through it was could be seen very harsh right. you know when, when you're going through it but obviously you know the people would tell me hey if you want to kill yourself stop calling everybody right. you know you're calling everybody telling you when you're going to do it you know yeah. just do it you know because at the end of the day they knew that that's not what I really wanted to do I was struggling and I was looking for help and we've seen that in some other family members <laughs> absolutely absolutely so obviously it leads you down that road of you hear people say that when I sought to found God I found myself and when mm-hmm. I sought to find myself I found God so obviously getting back to basics getting back to tra- tra- traditions mm-hmm. getting back to finding out who you are and your identity the one thing that I've learned in, in my life is that my life doesn't necessarily belong to me. Right. And, and this is huge. So I want people to listen to this. This doesn't, it doesn't belong to me. Who it belongs to are those people who died to be able to make sure that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, it belongs to the people that made sure that I had what I needed, that I could be get educated, that I could survive some of the things that a lot of people didn't survive. Um, my life belongs to those folks. Right. The things that my dad had to had to suffer through working in white America as a black man, an intelligent black man, because white America hates nothing more than a smart black guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so him working in that environment and dealing with what he had to deal with in the 50s and the 60s so that I could be here in the 70s and in the 80s and now in 2021. My life belongs to them, mm-hmm. not to them personally, but for their struggles. My life belongs to them. I don't have the right to take it. Right. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My, my mom, and this is this blew me away when I found out. I was born in a Catholic hospital, uh, Providence Catholic Hospital in Washington, D.C. And at the time, um, when my mom had to go in, she it was on. It was on and popping. There were some complications. And they had her sign a waiver saying that if if it boils down to us saving somebody's life, we need you to sign this and say that we're going to save the child's life mm-hmm. because they were pro pro-life mm-hmm. that we're going to save the child's life if that means that you have to die and without hesitation my mom signed that mm-hmm. whoa you think about that right that that's huge who am i to take that life right. it doesn't belong to me so obviously i gained a lot by going through what i went through by going back to the past mm-hmm. and pulling that information to give me the strength that i needed to be here today absolutely powerful um, and that's one of the ways uh, I got over it as well was why I was in the midst of going through that. Um, a family member attempted suicide. And I remember going to the hospital and seeing them in the hospital bed. And I say, OK, this is a family problem. This is something that I deal with, too. Now I knew then that you had dealt with. And I'm like, OK, then it got to be broken somewhere. So that's how I came to realization as well. Um and we, we pass that on generation to generation. And of course, we pass on our trauma. 
we can pass on our fears. I know my mom uh, is afraid of heights and she always say, I ain't never gonna fly on the plane. <laughs> and I took in that same type, I took in that same thing because I heard her say it so many times. And then I finally got on the plane and it wasn't so bad. And she still says she ain't never getting on the plane. You know, so there, uh, you know, my wife talk about, you know, people in her family who are afraid of water. They, they because they got trauma experience being in the water. So they don't want to get in the water. So when we look at that, we understand that stuff can be passed down through what we call genetics or what we call socialization. That's right. Um, VIPs, values, interests and principles. It's things that is passed down on generation to generation. Absolutely. What is where do you learn your VIPs? Where do you learn your values, interests, and principles? You learn that in the household. So what your parents teach you, their parents probably taught them, and their parents probably taught them, and it keeps going down in the cycle. Now, there are a few things that may change, but there are a lot that stays the same, which is why we still see some of the racism that we see in America, because a lot of white people still carry on those VIPs that That's we right. in the, the 1800s. Um, but it, it's just certain things, you know, Saturday morning. Cleanup day for me because Absolutely. growing up in the household, Saturday morning was the, the big cleanup day. Absolutely. Those are VIPs that are passed down. Um, certain ways you wash clothes, certain ways that you wash dishes. Certain, certain ways do you lace your shoes. Yeah. I, I watched Shaquan lace his son's shoes on his birthday and I saw how he laced his shoes. He laced his shoes the same way Shaquan laced his own shoes yeah. is the way that I lace my shoes. <laughs> and again, that, that just goes back to show you how this is this this occurs over time and we pass down stuff without even knowing. Um, certain things like religious beliefs. Most people aren't Christian or Islam because it's something that they chose um, from what they researched. They chose it because it's what, what they how they grew up in the household. That's right. It was already <coughs> there. When you look at certain traditions, what what do you celebrate? Um, what do you don't celebrate? Um, there are certain family members who may not celebrate Halloween because you look at it as demonic. You That's may right. celebrate Christmas because you're real uh, religious. All of those things come from what you were taught in your VIPs, uh, family interaction. We know with the African-American family, a cookout is the whole family. That's you know right. what I'm saying? And when we talk about, oh, let, let's let's just use this for instance. When my cousin died, uh, rest in peace, Michael Wayne, white people were looking at it, it was like, oh, it's just his cousin. But I'm looking at it like, no, that's my that's like brother that's, love. That's, right. that's brotherly love. That's bigger than cousin. Like when we say cousin, that's a whole different definition right. when it comes to black people. Because again, going back to the plantation, you grew, you grew with your family. Going back to Africa, you stayed together as a family. Uh, in Roots, if you notice um, when they're actually talking about moving or not moving, it was a discrepancy in the family because they wanted the family to stay together. Absolutely. Um, where the brother really wanted to leave and the other, the mom and the other brothers really wanted to stay. Um, that just goes back to VIPs. This Absolutely. is why a lot of your family are still living in the same area because all of them decided that they're not going to leave. That's one of my reasons for not leaving Bedford because I never wanted to leave my family. Absolutely. You know? and, and and real quick, when we were talking about roots earlier, and I, I said I was going to get into this a little bit, and, and here, here we go, mm -hmm. is that um, obviously 
Kunta Kinte wanted freedom. Freedom was the most important thing to him. Mm -hmm. um, even on the slave ship, he said, I'm going to break free and I'm going to swim to the riverbanks. Mm -hmm. Little did he know there was no riverbanks. They were in the ocean. Um, but obviously, from the minute that he set foot on American soil, his whole objective was to be free. Yeah. And he tried and tried and tried and tried to the point that they cut off part of his right foot with a hatchet mm -hmm. to, to try to prevent him from running. Even after that, he still wanted to go. But here's the thing that changed him. He heard a, a drum beat that okay. reminded him of a tribe in, in Africa. And he went to him and he said, oh, oh, OK, you're from such and such. He says, yeah, I'm from such and such. And it's OK. We're planning an escape. So when you hear the drum beat, you come and that's going to be the signal. So uh, obviously couple uh some time passed and bell his wife is pregnant mm -hmm. he doesn't know at the time but he hears the drum beat right and when he hears it he's ready to go and she says you can't go mm -hmm. why I, I i'm pregnant and he says well i, I i'm not gonna leave my Change. child my okay Change. so then after the baby is born and again following african traditions he take the child outside and he holds it up to the stars up to allah the, the only thing greater than you the only thing greater than you and as he's coming down with the baby, what does he hear? The oh. drum. And Belle hears the drum and she's terrified that one, that he's going to take off and two, he's going to take off with the baby. Yeah. So he, she's terrified. So they finally, she finally finds him with the baby and says, you can't go. And he, he she says, this is our home. And his response was, this ain't my home. Right. This is not my home, but this is my baby. This is my family. Right. And obviously, I'm not leaving my family. Mm -hmm. That's important mm -hmm. because obviously you just said one of the reasons you didn't leave Bedford is because you didn't want to leave your family. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I'm still here is because I didn't want to leave my family. Mm -hmm. See the difference? Yes. See, it's the correlation. Yes. Very, very powerful. The other thing is, if you think about roots and the nature of uh, freedom was always important to Kunta Kinte. Mm -hmm. And that same resonated throughout with his chicken george chicken yes. george wanted freedom mm -hmm. chicken george wanted freedom and he got it in spurts but he always did what came home yeah. he always came back home family was important to him and so I, I i want people to understand for especially for for black fathers this man chose his family over the opportunity for freedom, real freedom, right? real freedom, an opportunity to go back to Africa, mm -hmm. real freedom, according to, to him. And he, he passed that up for his family. Mm -hmm. He chose family over freedom. Now, we can look at freedom. We can listen to that drum beat. And you can call that drum beat the streets. You can call that drum beat another girl. You can call that drum beat drugs. You can call that drum beat uh, a, a, glow, a, a job opportunity in California. You can call that drum beat whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, some of you have to start making decisions based on your responsibility and choosing your family. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, that's why that's one of the reasons why I love Roots so much, because even when talking about Bell and Kunta Kente, I, I want to know what Alex Haley's um, objective was in this one scene. But he told Bell when, when he told her that he liked her, he said, you have a African face, a Mandinka face. That's right. She said, I ain't no African. I'm American. I don't know if he was saying that she lost contact with her Africanness through family or was she saying that she was actually from America through Native American uh, 
ancestor. But whatever the case may be, we can go back and look that a lot of people have lost their Africanness through family. This is why we've got to go back and correlate these stories. And that's why Roots is so amazing, because it continues the stories. We have to begin to understand that what we do today may create the, the legacy that leads back. Because one thing is, knowing, by him saying that my family is here, I'm staying here, it creates a whole new generation coming after. That's right. And that's why you can watch Roots, the next generation after that. Absolutely. Uh, it, it correlates this because we have to understand that what we're doing in our everyday lives is shaping the next 200 to 300 years for our family That's right. and, and our descendants. But when talking about Belle, something you've talked about on many episodes before is that she also suffered from, she inherited the, the sins of the people before her. Mm -hmm. So when those sins came in the form of fear and she had a husband prior to yes. Kunta Kinte, who was all about freedom and they, he tried to escape and his objective was to escape and get the freedom and then come, come back and get them. And when they caught him, they killed him. Right. Um, so she had that fear for Kunta Kinte. Not, exactly. The other thing is she also had a fear because she and what you were talking about in the Africanism is she felt like the more black you were, the more Africanized you were, the more they were going to punish you. Yes. And so she feared for that. So she wanted to separate herself from that Africanism. And you can see that in some of her conversations that she had with other blacks during that time. But also in the way that she treated Kizzy in this one episode where Kizzy wrote her name. Yeah. Do you see how angry she got when yeah. she saw that? Because not because she didn't want her child to be educated, but she did not want her child to be sold off because she did something she wasn't supposed to do. So she inherited the, the sins of of the people before her of fear mm -hmm. that people were going to look at them in a different light. And that's important because I think that we've inherited those sins in terms of education mm -hmm. that we don't want to be educated because we think that it puts more responsibility on us. If we are educated, yeah. it's easier to not be educated. Therefore you don't expect anything from me. Right. We have to break that. And that's why it's important for us to know the, the ancestry because you don't even have to go back to Africa. What we just talked about with Roots is you can go back to plantation and find so much culture. That's right. Find so much culture that we created because we were stripped from it. So we created our own culture. Again, go back and listen to episode one of this podcast where we talked about the power of music. We understand that these people couldn't read the Bible. That's right. They created their own songs. And the songs were maybe in Christian, but a lot of them were still Islamic, as we can talk about. Right. So they, because they didn't want you to practice Islam, so they had to go. If you watch Roots, they, um, um what's his name, um, Fiddler. Fiddler, Fiddler told Kunta Kinte, "Stop doing that. Stop practicing that Africanness. They don't want you doing that." That's right. But he would do it in his own little space, and he would, uh, he would begin to mask things up. And a lot of that happened with Christianity. A lot of that happened with some of the songs that they were singing. And it wasn't just singing to be to be Christians. They were freedom songs. They were maps. They were right. communication styles. Imagine people being on there, and they come up with their own communication style by whistling, by That's saying. Right by dancing by all of this thing they, they even disguised dancing um when they were really fighting this was fighting styles that they were doing but it was that's right that's dancing. that's dancing so that's right. when you look at if you look at the what samurai and karate comes from 
A lot of people say it comes right out of Africa where they learn these these dances to begin to create fighting styles from the animals. Again, go back and do your research on that. But we can go back and just Absolutely. look at how much we have created with a lot of things being stripped from us. Again, going back to saying that it's tight and in different places, people know what you're talking about because we have a lingo that we create and other people can relate to it. Absolutely. One that that, that still amazes me because it's still going today is yo. 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 I, I remember when they first started saying that and now you actually hear commercials with white America saying yo. Well, Rocky, I, movies Rocky, where they say yo. Yeah, Rocky made it popular. He did. He did. He made it popular. Absolutely. Um, but again, when you talk about those VIPs, those value, interests, and principles, they're not always good. So we have to begin to create uh, or, or destroy what we call generational curses. That's right. Because, you know, for me, I'm, I don't want to be religious, but we, we associate a lot of generational curses with they saying that you have the sins of your father, sins of your grandparents. You're cursed with the evil spirit that's going to... Um, go through your descendants and we could talk about Canaan and all of those other things according to the Bible. But when you look at certain things that, that aren't as religious, things such as, um, I tell the story all the time how the goddess counselor told me that I had a higher opportunity of going to jail because you have been to jail. Uh, absolutely, um, that's right. And not to his discredit, but there are stats to say that that's true. There are stats absolutely. to say if, if two parents are smoking cigarettes in the household, then it's more than likely that the child is going to smoke cigarettes when he gets older. Absolutely. Um, there's correlation to drug abuse and, and alcohol abuse that if it happens within the parents and the grandparents, that the kids are going to be more than likely to do the same thing. So we see that it all correlates and they, they, uh, they're correlating criminology, abuse, drug abuse, abandonment, because not only do drug abuse create drug abuse, it creates behavior problems. It creates abandonment, stress, That's right. anxiety, all of these different things. So we have to be cognitive of what our addictions are and how we're going to pass that along to our children. Absolutely. So that's why it's important that. So some people say, why don't you drink anymore? I'm sure you can have one or two drinks. I probably could. But understanding that if my daughter don't see alcohol in the house, in the house then she probably won't drink. I don't That's smoke right. cigarettes because nobody in my household smokes cigarettes. That's right. It, it was not something that I longed to do. So when you begin to, to look at what happens in your household, you can correlate that. And there's some people who correlate it differently. Just because you see your family on drugs, you say, yo, I ain't never going to be like that. You break those generational curses however you can. Especially when you identify that it it's not going to be something constructive for you. Right. And I, I think that's the problem we have is that we take on things that we think are going to be good mm -hmm. and or we don't even think about it. We just take them on mm -hmm. and not realizing that those things are negative. Those things are only going to either restrict us or limit us in what we can do. We talked about that before. Sometimes we think that things that uh, we de we define as making us who we are. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they're just limiting who we really can be. Some of those things are things that we we learn from our, our parents or we mm -hmm. learn from our aunts and uncles or that we inherited from our forefathers. Yes. Um, you have to learn to look at those things and got to remember those things may have been great in the 60s. Those things may have been great in the 20s. Maybe not so much now. Maybe you got to start looking at it differently, um, in, including things like tobacco. I mean, my, my grandfather smoked a pipe. 
You know, as far as I know, me and my brother Eugene, we've never used any drug at all other than maybe Tylenol. Never, never smoked a cigarette, never had used tobacco products, never drank alcohol. Mm -hmm. Like I said, that doesn't make us better because we did a whole lot worse than that. Obviously, you know, we spent time in the institution of better behavior. But um, just the fact that you guys didn't inherit those things. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you, you, you had a strong foundation uh, in your mom that would prevent those things from happening. But you guys didn't have a desire to do it either. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing is you're able to isolate and say, OK, I'm going to pick and choose the things that I use that I may have inherited from my father or from my mother. Um, and, and not necessarily we're not talking about looks. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a lot of other things that you obviously you're not afraid of heights. You flew. You yeah. flew on a plane before. Um, I used to be afraid of heights, but I'm also rational and knowing that if I want to get from point A to point B quickly, I got to fly. Yeah. You know, but like that's a, a but that's still a little exactly. That's a little different uh, versus getting on a roller coaster yeah. or getting on a ladder and cleaning my gutters. By the way, I need my gutters, gutters yeah. clean. So if anybody clean gutters, hit me up. All right, I pay good. So but but understanding the things that you think can benefit you, whether they was inherited by traits or not, um, identifying those things and using what's good and, and, and then giving, putting away the things that aren't so good. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, the other thing that's important on why you should know your family ancestry is uh, healing. Um, again, I know a lot of people, they don't like enslavement movies. They say, you know, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch the whippings and the chaining. And it, it is. It definitely is. But I believe it would give you some type of healing when you begin to look at other things other than that. Because when you look at, as we talked about, for the people who are listening, again, we love Roots. That's why we're talking That's about right. it. That's uh, right. If you look at Bell and Kunta Kinte, if you look at the marriages that are happening on a the plantation, they're not recognized. Slave, a lot of enslaved Africans that married on the plantation, it wasn't recognized. That's right. You did it because you wanted that that sense of love and you wanted to take care of family. You wanted to build a family. Um, and it was your way of freedom. So that'll give you healing that even when it wasn't really allowed, they did it anyway. They still created families. That's right. Even though it really wasn't allowed, they still read books and they be continued to learn. Even though it wasn't really allowed, they still continue to practice their religion. For some people, they may have maxed this to look like Christianity, but they were still practicing their African religion. They just changed the names of the deities to the, the angels. That's right. They just changed the names. So Peter and, and, and uh, Simon and all of these people, uh, Matthew and Mark, they, they would talk about those names, but they were actually referring to Yemiah. Uh, Shango, they were still talking about those people, but they masked it so they wouldn't get in trouble for doing so. That's right. And so when you begin to look at some of the things that Africans were doing, even if you talk about Jesus, they might have praised Jesus, but they were still talking about Allah. That's so right. it, it, again, that's a whole different conversation when we talk about religious and names. But when you look at what our people did, they preserved a lot of things for us in the future. So that's why we have to begin to look at them at, at what they pass down from generation to generation because they passed down resilience. They that's how, down that's how they were over, they're able to overcome. We talked about this too off air is that uh, obviously the same thing that was done to the black man was also done to Native Americans. Right. 
And the the population for Native Americans, if you guys take a second and Google, you'll see what it is. Yeah. Um, very, very small percentage of Native Americans still still live in the, in the United States mm-hmm. where we have grown and continue to grow. So we were over, able to overcome. Resilience is the main factor. But in that, in doing so, we also been able to keep tradition and culture. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep that going. And the only way you can do that is born by documenting as as Bake said, you got to document it. But having conversations with your kids, telling them stories. I was amazed that I, I read one of your posts um, yesterday or day before yesterday where you told the story about my mom mm-hmm. and, and, you know, holding the door open. I, I, that's a story that I've told I, I told told you guys years ago yes. and you guys still remember it. Yes. And I hope you continue to tell it. But that's how these traditions, that's how we remember one the greatness of, of my mom. Mm-hmm. But you continue to tell these stories. I tell stories about my grandmother, Georgia Mills, all the time because she had these great stories. And then when I hear her tell them, this is how we were able to overcome situations. <laughs> these stories are vital. This yeah. information is important. Um, knowing who the Sparrow family is, knowing who the Mills family is, that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing. If you still have living grandparents, living great-grandparents, talk to them. Talk to them. I know a lot of people that, like myself, wish I still had the ability to go and talk to those folks and get that information. Talk to them. Document everything that you can document. And if you if you don't feel like you can do it, record them. Record them. Pass the debate. He'll document it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And and one thing uh, we're, as we wrap this up, um, that's why we talked about Native Americans, because the one thing you also get from finding your ancestry is you gain a lot of respect for other traditions and heritages and cultures that you may not have known about. So if you understand, if you look up your DNA and your DNA has some Irish in it, you might respect more the Irish traditions that you didn't understand before. If a lot of white people look up and see that they have African ancestry, they may respect black people even more um, because you see that your bloodline is also in that. And as we know from history that the, the, the slave owner didn't, you know, he didn't see color when it came to sex. That's right. So there are a lot of we got we, we, a lot of us are kin. A lot of you racist people that don't like black people, we kid to each other somewhere down the line. That's and, right. And if you look at ancestry, um, if you look at especially documentation, there are a lot of white people who are actually showing their documents because they have compassion. They say, we understand how hard it is for African-Americans to find their ancestry. But if you go through us, we can give you some kind of knowledge because a lot of enslaved people were passed down through uh, death certificates and wills. That's right. So when you look at the will and say, I give my son um, William Battle. So That's right. Jerome Battle can go back and look at William Battle and say, okay, now I know who he was. He was this age at the time. And that's how we can begin to see where our last name comes from. Now, I know a lot of uh, people want to change their last name because they say it's the last name of their slave master, which is true. But it also can help you find your ancestry, African-Americans, because your last name goes back to the slave owner who probably kept documentation of the slaves Absolutely. that he owned. So Absolutely. when we begin to look at that, um, there are even slave owners who um, I know when they did Nazis, um, the, the slave owner kept a record of how much cotton they picked that day. That's so right. on Monday, it was like 62 
for Tuesday, it was like 73, and then Nas was like, we must have had a bad day on Wednesday. He only picked 30. He only picked 30. But, you know, that just gave um, Nas a sense of pride. And Nas was like, I'm gonna go, I might go back and buy that whole land. So when you look at that and how much pride it gives us and self-respect and integrity it gets us through trauma. That's right. It shows us how much we have in us from ancestors who did so much for us to be here. That's Think right. about your family. Think about your family that may have been in the civil rights movement, that may have marched, that may have been sprayed with water hoses. Think about your family members that may have to pick cotton. Think about your family members that was on the slave trade. I heard a battle rapper say, who do you pray to? Is it the ones that named you or one that or the one that made you? And he said, who did your, your slave master sing to on the slavery? That's right. And I started to think about that. And I said, wait, I wonder who they was praying to. I wonder where they came from. What did they believe? Think what, about think about all the, the suffering they went through when they couldn't go in, like they wouldn't have been able to go into the front door of a store. Right. That we we go in every day without even thinking about right. that at one particular point in time, you couldn't have done that. We have the ability to do that. We have the ability to go into a restaurant and sit down and eat. And we are back. Sorry, we got cut off. But going back, we have to begin to look at things because as, I'm, as I look back in history through imagination, that's right. I'm, I'm wondering like, how do we do yeah, it? How do we do how it? Do we but do I'm it? wondering like, Maybe my one of my ancestors may have been a preacher, may may have been he might have played the saxophone, did blues or jazz. He might have did. Was he part of the Hall of Renaissance? Did he write poetry? What did That's I right. get my writing from? Why do I want to tell stories all the time? What did what did they do? Were they a part? If you go back and listen to our last episodes, were they wrongfully convicted and on the chain gang? I, I want to know. I re would really like to know, but as I just think of these stories, I personalize them to think that my ancestors went through a lot and I owe them a lot. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Like I said, I use my dad as, as an example, being a father uh, in the 60s, um, in the, the midst of the civil rights movement and, and making the decision. I think this is huge. Making the decision to have a family in the 60s. Making a decision to have three kids in the 60s right. is huge. That's a testament to my dad. Mm -hmm. That's a testament to the love he had for his family, the love he had for his three sons to make that decision to say, I'm going to do this mm -hmm. in the 60s. I, I don't know that a lot of people would have done that and stayed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so uh, I, I, I can't I can't say enough about how my dad was my first hero mm -hmm. and still is of to make that decision. Um, now, obviously, my relation, his relationship with my mom didn't work out, but his relationship with us did. Mm -hmm. um, he has a great relationship with his grandkids. Mm -hmm. He has a great relationship with his great grandkids. So it continues. And now the objective is what's the legacy you create for your kids? Mm -hmm. What are your kids are going to remember about you? What traits are they going to develop from you that can be help them be prosperous in, in this world? Right, absolutely. And for the people who live in Virginia, we have to understand that Virginia is a huge landmark when it comes to enslavement. Absolutely. You can look at Henry County. You can look at uh, up there in uh, Alexandria. All of these Fredericksburg, places. Spotsylvania County. You look at all of these places. These were prominent places in enslavement to where your history is right here right in front here. of you. Now, a lot of people that live in New York, uh, Chicago, California, they're, they're, they go back to Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, 
but a lot of you, you're living on a, a place where you're, you might be passing a plantation that your family may have worked and That's you right. don't even know it. That's right. You don't understand the landmarks that we live in. Um, I think we take Appomattox for granted from uh, what they did in the Civil War, what that landmark. Um, we, That's we right. take a lot of things for granted here in where we actually live at. Um, and, and speaking of Appomattox, I know a lot of people think that that's where the surrender actually took place. It's Charlotte Courthouse. There is a difference. So yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. make that make that make that known for all the people to live in Charlotte Courthouse, because I, I get tired of hearing people say it didn't happen in Appomattox. <laughs> so, so we'll make that make that distinction. But also Danville, there's a lot of civil rights. Uh, I mean, uh, Civil War. Um, um, museums in 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 Danville mm-hmm. that people should go check out, and then Stanton and Lex and Lexington. Right, people need to need to go check those things up. So again, we we have to begin to look at um why we why we should and like just look right in front of you again. Have conversations with people that are in front of you, your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles. Um, the last time Granddad was here, me and him had a conversation. I said, you know, Granddad. What were your thoughts about, you know, Malcolm X uh, and what they were doing or Dr. King? And he said, you know, he said, we really didn't experience that in D.C. He said, most of our neighborhood was all black. So he said, you know, we really didn't see what everybody else saw because we we lived in a community that was tight knit. And the only time you may have seen white people is if you went out of your own community, said what we rarely did. So just seeing that insight gave me a different insight on history on um, different people in different places because a lot of people didn't follow Malcolm and Martin. A lot of people just didn't see it. That's it, right. The experiences were different based on where you lived and obviously what you experienced. And, uh, you know, I tell people all the time growing up, I remember there was a, a white family that lived next door to us. That was probably the only white family that that we ever saw for like years, right? you know, and, and they were referred to, he was a guy, I think his wife died early and he was referred to as the white man, right? you know, and even the mailman would refer to him as that. I mean, everybody referred to him as that. Oh, you got, you live by the white guy, right? right. You know, so um, it, it wasn't a whole lot of white people in our area. There was no white kids at our school. Later on, I think maybe when I was in the fifth grade, fourth grade, maybe there was one white kid that came to, came to our school and, uh, turned out he wasn't white he was just super light you know so we there was a lot of things we did not experience um growing up but i do know some of the things that my dad experienced on his job working for the post office being a one of the only blacks and being a a, a technician Absolutely. and being highly educated so he i know he didn't experience it maybe in his personal life but definitely in his work in his work life absolutely um again that's why it's important to have these conversations um I wish that I would have been able to have these conversations earlier with some of my grandparents. But I'm fortunate that my dad, you know, he had the same mentality early on to try to trace his family history to where he had these conversations with great grandparents and grandparents that um, I may not have had an opportunity to, to to talk to. And again, that can just be passed on from generation to generation. But for the people that are, that are listening, you have a an opportunity to have these conversations. Thanksgiving is, is more just about being thankful. You can have these conversations, Christmas, cookouts, call them. Uh, during this pandemic, there's perfect time to just call people, um, have conversations, just get their experience because most of the time, they're not just gonna come out and tell you. Like, they want you to ask them. They want you to tell them. Absolutely, and, and you know, what ends up happening is 
funerals become family reunions. Yeah. And at funerals is when you start seeing all these people, one that you haven't seen in a long time and in certain situations, ones that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, um, obviously, and, and we experienced that uh, younger at a younger age. Um, my um, mother's father uh, was a rolling stone, if you will. He had more kids after um, my mom's mother and him separated. Mm -hmm. He had more kids. I'm, I'm thinking something like seven, maybe eight. Mm -hmm. Could be more than that. Um, and then my grandmother also had two more kids mm -hmm. that we did not even know about until we were teenagers. Right. Um, we didn't meet them until... Um, I had an uncle who had passed away and then we got to meet all these other aunts and uncles. We had met them before, mm -hmm. um, mainly when my mom died. We got to meet all of them when my mom died that we had met all of them before, which was huge for us because quite naturally, people don't always talk about all those things, mm -hmm. especially in the black community. We don't have those conversations and nobody's asking the questions because nobody really knows. Right. Um, so us coming from a blended family and what I mean by that is my mother was raised by Georgia Mills that we call grandmother mm -hmm. that was her cousin and she raised her as her own child. Mm -hmm. um, her and my aunt Georgia and my uncles, the, the Mills family and my, my aunt Talma. Um, you know, we were raised by these people that we called aunts and uncles who were really cousins mm -hmm. and so having that conversation couldn't take place until we knew who to ask right because we didn't know what 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 the truth was until we were older in life right so. and that's why this this episode is so important because i know it's not just us i know there's a lot of people out there who who need to have conversations again for family history for for health reasons for just um Identity reasons, finding yep. that, that identity because there's so many people are lost because they have no idea what their identity is. You say your family ain't S word or nothing because you're only going by what you see. You don't um, even know them. You, yeah, you, you don't go, but you don't go back to the millions of ancestors that you have. Your family is something. And you, and you are up, too. And it's up to you to go back and find what it is that they pass down to you. Um, thank y'all for tuning in. We love y'all. See y'all next week.